yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time imon irok the yen of chacht erachor. Agus suligam a makan sha gurfeder erachor inuik kiart len of winter fein. Skilti fis turmi. Tashe dochrecha nach vetoch ara igornamyan on kestchen ekol. Vien talam aginam griv arkar nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Hello and welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler, the technology editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. Today, we're going to talk about cars and particularly autonomous vehicles, maybe a little bit of electric uh, thrown in. I uh, have a couple of people who are way more knowledgeable about the subject uh, than me. Um, Geraldine Herbert is a motoring columnist and contributing editor for the uh, Sunday Independent and the editor of wheelsforwomen.ie, which is a, a really great website. And Philip McNamara is the Vice President of Business Development at VoxPro USA and a co-founder of Mobility X, which is a conference next month in Dublin and Mayo looking at the near future for autonomous vehicles. You're both very welcome to the podcast. Um, let's start with a very basic descriptor because I've got all sorts of preconceptions and stereotypes in my head about who would drive or who would sit in an autonomous car. But let's start, start with a few basics. Geraldine, when we talk about an autonomous car, are we talking about no steering wheel, no pedals? I mean, or, or is that sort of a utopian vision that's 15, 20 years off? Well, when we talk about autonomous cars, they usually divide into levels. We talk about levels of autonomy. So in level five would be no... What was that word? Autonomy? Yeah, I assume that's actually a wow. word. Yeah, I've that's probably just coined it there yeah. and then. Um, so level five is that kind of utopian yeah. idea. There's no steering wheel, no, probably not even recognisable as a car in the sense of what we consider the interior like of what, a car. Was it Mercedes or somebody had this... Uh, you, you were sitting in and you were like playing cards and playing, mm. you know, having a smoke and stuff. And it was all very... 1920s. Yeah, and that yeah. is totally the driver removed completely from the driving. If you step down, then level four is mm-hmm. the car more or less doing everything for the driver, but the driver still, you know, there's still being a, a, a presence of a driver. Just in case. Just in case. Mm-hmm. And then level three is sort of that that kind of partially autonomous, partially engaged human. So mm-hmm. you need somebody who's ready to take over mm-hmm. um, in the situation that they may have to. Um, the Audi A8 is a level three autonomous That's car. That's the current so, Audi A8. Yes. Yeah, so basically it has the technology to actually sort of drive maybe in slow moving traffic mm-hmm. in certain conditions. But as I said, the driver would have to be ready to take over. Then you get to sort of, if you go back to level two, you're talking about um, Tesla's autopilot, those sort of things. Level Mm -hmm. one would be very little Mm -hmm. um, autonomous features. So as you move up, you get to that utopian idea. And the level three that we have at the moment in the Audi A8 that you've just described, it can do do those things. 
But as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, it's not legal to do it, is it? In Ireland, you have to have your hands on the steering wheel. That is the issue. So until the law catches up with the technology, Mm -hmm. even if you buy an Audi A8 with all of that amazing technology, it's now been rolled out in the Audi A7 as well. You won't actually be able to use it on an Irish road Mm -hmm. because it's against the law. That's interesting. And so... um, I mean, there's all kinds of questions we can get down down the line because I'm going to ask a little bit about insurance and liability. But if I'm driving my Audi A8 and I have my hands on the steering wheel and something happens and I try to you know, activate its semi-autonomous mode and something happens, as the law stands in Ireland, I'm still totally responsible. I, mean, I can't say, oh, no, that was, that was the car that no. did that. Absolutely, because you have to have your hands um, on the steering wheel. So that would be interpreted as being, you know, negligent or just not, Mm -hmm. you know, you'd be completely at fault. So that would be a clear cut case for an insurance company. Philip, you're a big, important American executive now. Um, (laughs) Do you drive a Tesla or anything with autonomous? I don't. I don't. and I, I wish I did. I've got a 2002 Jeep. Uh-huh. Which, because I'm in San Francisco, I don't really need a car or use a car. That's so basically you're a hipster, right? No, is, is not quite. Not a quite. 2002 Jeep. A 2002. It's a 16 year old Jeep. Yes, it is. It's my wife's. Okay. So, uh, you're not making a statement with that. <laughs> but um, no, it's amazing in San Francisco. You, you go out of the street and you see electric skateboards, you see electric scooters, you see electric cars everywhere. You mm-hmm. see the Uber cars driving around well, you used to until they stopped testing. You see the cruise um, uh, GM vehicles driving around. Mm-hmm. Um, with the sensors on top, and it's a real microcosm of what's going to happen in the future. Lots of these startups are coming. Lots of these crazy new ideas have been created in San Francisco. And so, yeah, you see an amazing variety of systems that will transport people from A to B. And I don't think we're going to have one system of one car. Everyone's going to get into cars. It's going to be lots and lots of different Mm -hmm. transportation systems, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting. Now, you mentioned Uber there, and they stopped testing. That's... Why did they stop testing? Isn't, isn't so yeah, they had a, they were testing in Arizona, and um, uh, you know a video was released. They they, they killed a pedestrian. Mm-hmm. So someone came across the road illegally. There was no uh, place to cross. Um, it was dark night, and um, you know who's to say who's at fault? But you know experts say, look, the radars and the lidar should have worked. They should have seen that person from a long way away. Um, I think any of us, if we were driving in a car, it would have been impossible to stop in time. Um, but, you know, these things happen. I think it's, it's, it was a really unfortunate tragedy. But, um, you know, w- with every new technology that comes on, even when jets were first invented, there mm. was a lot of tragedies. Uh, hopefully this will wake a lot of the companies up. Um, but the experts I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to, they say, look, the LiDAR should have worked, the radar should have worked. For that and instance. has it actually disrupted or slowed down testing significantly of autonomous vehicles in the States, that incident? Or? Well, Uber have stopped per, like temporarily um, until they fixed some of the issues there. Um, but there are still lots of the, the, the GM. GM bought a company for a billion dollars, uh, cruise automation, and they're still flying around the streets in San Francisco. Um, you know, just the, the Apple cars are on the streets and the Google cars are on the streets all the time as well. So it hasn't slowed it down at all. Waymo are still testing, um, dropping off and picking up passengers without anyone in the front mm. seat whatsoever in Arizona and Phoenix. And that's mm. it's pretty amazing to see that they're doing that. But it's a very kind of it's, it's a nice dry environment. It's not like the wet roads of Ireland. Mm. Mm. And that, that's one of the reasons that they test in those environments, isn't it? Because it's. Yeah, that's that's the problem, though, is when you step out of those perfect conditions and perfect roads. But the Waymo, they're the Google cars, aren't they? Yeah. And they have like thousands of miles of testing under their belt, unlike Uber, who seem to have just decided, let's put a car on the road and see what happens. Also, that incident was actually quite interesting because there was an actual human 
driver in the car, human in the car, to that was supposedly to step in if there was an, an incident of any description. And they appear to have missed the accident completely. Yeah, because it looked like from the video that they were on their phone. And that's the thing. Once you introduce technology, people get lazy, they mm. get complacent. Um, they might start thinking, look, the machine is completely foolproof mm. and it's not. It's not even that they're lazy or complacent. This is one of the reasons that autonomous vehicles are being pitched to us in the first place, right? Isn't it mm. to, to free up our time uh, in vehicles where we're all supposed to be get an extra hour of productivity per day doing our emails. But you see, we're not there yet. And this is where the dangerous period is going to be this level three, I think, because you're going to have this, these partially autonomous vehicles that can do a certain amount, but not everything. And then you have humans who have to be ready to respond. But they're partially engaged mm -hmm. as well. And the more that you get a car to drive itself, the more you're going to drift off and think, you know, what will I have for my dinner tonight and make your shopping list or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then so there is there's a huge um, challenge there for people to try and come up with some sort of a system that will wake people up and engage them quick enough to actually take over in an instant. Because remember, if something happens, it's going to happen really mm -hmm. quickly and you're going to have to focus really quickly and do something. So I think that's actually mm -hmm. that's why so many companies have decided, you know, something we will just go for level four where cars are going to do predominantly the driving and we don't need to rely that heavily on humans because mm -hmm. trying to do the two together is actually quite difficult. Mind you, anything uh, would be better than what we have now where 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 you, you have level zero or level one cars going around and people are still, you know, uh, glancing at the road and looking at their phone as they're texting or checking something on mm -hmm. Facebook, uh, uh, which is um, uh, something that I see every single yeah, day. Yeah, and, and it's really interesting at, at the conference, one of the, the people that we're bringing on is a company called Noto and they're based in Silicon Valley. And what they do is, is a hardware device that kind of um, it's designed for fleets. So if you own a fleet of trucks or a fleet of taxis, this device will, will go onto your uh, rear view mirror and it has two cameras, one facing forward, one facing back. Uh, the one facing back is looking at the driver's face, looking at their eyes. So if they're looking down, if they're being distracted, if they're, you know, looking out a lot, um, the system will report this back to their manager and say, you mm. know, this driver is not paying attention. You need to, you know, talk to them. It'll look forward as well. It'll look for accidents. It'll say you need to slow down. It'll, it'll mm -hmm. beep. It'll warn the driver of what's going on. So it's a really good way of. of it's going to be very interesting them. to see how systems like that settle down in the US versus in Europe, uh, where um, despite the obvious safety advantages that a system like that would have, um, it starts red flags and alarm bells when it comes to privacy and monitoring employees and a kind of a slightly dystopian feel uh, to, you know, being your eyeballs being tracked while you're at work all the time. Although, but maybe that's just the future if you're a trucker, yeah, is it? Like look at an iPhone 10, you want to mm. pick up the phone and open it, you got to look at it, you know, mm. so that's, that's, that's the thing. And truckers are already monitored actively as well for, so they don't do too many hours. Um, if you've got, you know, a truck that has thousands of euro worth of products on the back of the truck and you cause an accident, that could be hundreds of thousands for the company that's, that's, mm. caused, that's caused that damage. So I think it's a small price to pay for safety um, and for, you know, the safety of all the drivers and around. Do it. you think that something that mentality or that rationale will also be used for things like insurance, where I can think of a situation where, let's say, my 15 year old in three years time wants to drive a car, but the insurance might be three and a half thousand euro a year. But let's say there's an autonomous or a semi-autonomous vehicle in a couple of years time. And part of its technology is hyper monitoring technology that can actually um, uh, assess and feedback if necessary driving habits on a regular basis and therefore the insurance, the annual insurance cost falls by half if you agree to implement that technology. I mean, I wonder, is that 
what we're is that the scenario we're heading into? This isn't a question exclusively to autonomous uh, vehicles, mm. but is the, is that the drift? Is that the sense that either of you get that we're heading into uh, as drivers, um, more connected, more monitored, more part of the hive? Well, it's interesting what you say about the privacy issue. That's always going to be an issue, particularly in Europe, because if you look at e-call, which is this button that you can press, and if you have an accident, it can track exactly where you are, and it will notify um, emergency response services. That was delayed by three years. It only actually came in on March 31st because of privacy, privacy. concerns mm-hmm. as to, you know, could you be tracked when you didn't have an accident up, up mm-hmm. to the point of having an accident? Where would the data go? So I think we're always going to be very conscious of that. Um, in terms of tracking young people, we have that kind of system at the moment with telematics mm-hmm. to a certain extent. But um, the whole idea of insurance, I, I, I think the issue around insurance is going to be more complex in the sense that you're going to have issues of who is responsible in the case of a, ca- of a crash. Is it the software engineer? Is it the owner of the car? Is it the person sitting in the car? Is it, you know, because of well, all the sensors and cameras. Well, level four or level five on, when we, when we talk about what the layperson uh, understands as being a self-driving car, presumably the onus now shifts onto the manufacturer of the car. Yeah, but is it, or is it the person who does the software? Where? Well, it's the same thing, really, isn't it? But it's yeah. But is it? I mean, yeah, you have to. There is. There's. There, I mean, this has been discussed in the UK. They've actually taken this mm. on board an awful lot better than I don't even know if there's any discussions about this in Ireland. I'm sure they're sitting. But down it's not you or me, the driver, is my point. No, that's the thing. But but we're not there yet, and we still will have this idea of somebody having to intervene. So while cars will be equipped with loads of sensors and radars mm. and cameras, and it'll be very easy to know exactly what happened who's responsible is actually a totally different yeah, question. Yeah. So I think that's where mm. they're going to grapple. With. I think like, a lot of the reasons that the big manufacturers are buying these companies now and the software companies for billions of dollars is that they realize that they don't have a business model in the future. Like you won't need 15 car companies because if we have shared mm-hmm. cars, you might need five companies. Mm-hmm. And so they're quickly going to this model of we want to become a services company or a transportation company. Um, the reason that GM bought Cruise, that you know they have a, sh- uh, share, a car share company, BMW Reach now, a car sharing company as well. Um, you know that that's it's 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 going to mean that there's a lot less companies out there, and when it comes to insurance, they are going to have to be like responsible for the whole package. Mm-hmm. Uber, mm-hmm. you know, in, gave a settlement to that family of the, the person who was killed because they realized it was 100 percent their fault. And I think that's what insurance companies in Ireland have to realize too is that there will be less accidents in the future, and that means what less lower premiums or no insurance business in, in the future. But I think yeah. Car companies will become insurance companies. See, I mean, I, I don't know as much as either of you, but my thought of this is, is that um, they will sort the insurance model out and there will be something more along that monitored lines and there will be far less crashes. And, mm-hmm. and the, you know, overall, people might sort of pause at the thought of getting into a car where there's no steering wheel or no pedals. But but actually, that's going to be the safest option you will have. And I think you're going to be punished from an insurance point of view if you want to drive a manual car. I think I think your I think your insurance premium is going to go up to four or five grand a year. And it's going to be a solution for rich people um, mm. because the, the, the you know, the the, 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 the the statisticians and the money men will just roll out a load of figures to show Manual drivers, you know, are, are 700 percent more likely to be in some sort of an accident yeah, than, than an yeah. autonomous car. Therefore, we're going to load the insurance yeah. so, in, in, yeah. that, in that way. So Google has said already that um, the, the most dangerous drivers are teenagers mm-hmm. and their self-driving cars are 40 times safer than those teenagers. And the safest group are the 50 to 60 year olds mm-hmm. and self-driving cars are 10 times safer than that group. 
So already they're like the, the stats will play out. Mm-hmm. They'll say, look, we'll let you drive on a, on a track day on a Sunday if you want. Go to your track. Mm-hmm. If you're driving on a national motorway between Galway and Dublin, you've got to be in automatic mode. There's, yeah. there's no question about it. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if humans are, what is it, most accidents are caused, it's 94% human error. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's huge. But I, I do think what's going to happen is cars are going to become the luxury of, they're going to be a bit like horse riding. You know, only the, the rich will be able to afford it. And as you say, you'll take it to a track and it'll be just, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, a great event to actually drive a car. So. And that's uh, that sort of brings me to another kind of cultural element to this whole discussion. I mean, Geraldine, for example, you, you know, you write, you know, uh, very comprehensively and and quite um, quite passionately about cars as well in terms of part of our culture and the experience of driving and new models and all that sort of stuff. And many people feel that way about cars. Uh, are we entering into an era where an awful lot of that is going to be stripped away from the, you know, a car ownership. Like, I see pictures of you, for example, with a new car, and you, you know, you're standing beside it, and it, it's a, it's a good picture. I see pictures of friends of mine who might get a new car, and they do the same thing, and they identify with that vehicle as part of mm. their, um, a part of themselves. They, they want it to reflect who they are. Is anybody going to stand beside a self-driving boxy car like that for their for their profile photo and and as a reflection of who they are, you know, or or, or are we entering? I, I'm just trying to get get across th- this schism that I think is is coming down the line where um, many of us, and I have to say, it's particularly men, it's particularly men of a certain age, although there are boy racers as well involved, they they really do identify with their car, and will they anymore if if it, if the thing drives itself you know yeah i don't think the cars that are going to be self driving are going to be those type of cars i mean the, the whole model, it's going to be too expensive to produce the cars. It doesn't make sense. It's supposed to be efficiency. You know, and if, if you look at the stats, I think it's it's most cars sit parked for 23 hours a day. Mine does. Yeah. Mine sits in my driveway. I would say I was talking to my wife, Catherine, about this the other day. We um, uh, we I was seven or eight o'clock on Sunday evening and I said, do you know what? It's a nice stretch. We've seen a bit of sun. Do you want to go for a drive? Right. Echoing the parents, you know, from mm-hmm. 30, 40 years ago, we go for a drive. And she said, well, wh- why? Why? Well, because I haven't driven the car in about two weeks. It was literally sitting there for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we went for a drive. We went up around Hoth and it was it was lovely. And we got back and right, that's it. That's the car now for mm-hmm. <laughs> probably another two weeks. I mean, what a waste. Yeah. And you're not unusual in that sense. And then we need car, car parking spaces and all of these things. So we'll eradicate all of those. So there'll be huge benefits and the benefits themselves will probably, you know, well, they will outweigh. Um, but there will be people who still want cars, but I would see them more as being sort of classic car owners. It'll be, you know, it'll be this classic car that's rolled out that has a manual transmission and it'll be, you know, a steering wheel. <laughs> and it'll be something kids will say, what, Old you drove school. yourself? Yeah. You know, and it will be, it'll be that, unfortunately. But I suppose every sort of um, mode of transport revolution has brought that. I mean, there was mm. huge... Um, there, there, there was huge problems and challenges trying to introduce the railway, you know, and this idea mm. that people would be transported at speeds over whatever, you know, people were worried that they wouldn't be able to cope, that mm. humans couldn't yeah. possibly travel yeah. that yeah. fast. And one of the most interesting thing was the first passenger line was opened from um, Liverpool to Manchester in September 1830 and an MP who had turned up to open it was actually killed on the day. It was a terrible, <sighs> oh, terrible thing. The Uber of its day. Yeah, it was yeah. exactly that. And there was the same sort of concerns that this was never going to be safe and this was terrible and it just wouldn't work. But like anything, commerce Times, 
yeah. safety and safety concerns. So yeah. it'll be the same thing in the end of the day. Yeah, it'll I, be, make business sense in to that, do this. That transfer of technologies, I presume they were going from coach and horse to mm. train at the time. People probably loved those as well. <laughs> they probably, yeah, yeah. Well, going back to my um, Jane Austen uh, days uh, in school, wasn't it the Bruce Landau was the height of, of all sophisticated? If you had a Bruce Landau, which was a, co- a coach and a few horses, that was one of the metrics you, you were judged by. And maybe you couldn't say the same if you were in a passenger train. But I mean, like I sit beside a guy in work and occasionally just to just to get a start from him, I'll say, oh, I see they're, um, uh, yeah, they've got uh, some new uh, autonomous vehicles. They say they're going to speed up the agenda now. Yeah, it's, it's going to be here for a few years. And I can see the sort of blood drain out of his face uh, because he, he would see himself, you know, leather jacket at the weekends, you know, he's a man of a certain age, you know, um, the, the shades, you know, it's, it's about control, you know, it's about... Mm-hmm. You know, and, and listen, I, I'm being facetious here, but that's 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 a great deal of us. Mm-hmm. That is a great many people really love their cars. And what we're kind of saying to them is, um, no, from now on, your base, there's just going to be a bunch of things that go around and mm-hmm. you, you can sit in one like anyone else, but they're not going to reflect you personally at all. Yeah. But I, I asked this question to one of the, the head R&D guys in Ford because mm-hmm. they have a lot to lose. If, if people are all using these sharing cars, there's a lot less cars on the road. They're going to lose their sales. And they said, look, two things will happen. Parents are never going to give up their car because they've got all their stuff in the back. They've got their prams, they've got their nappies, they've got everything they need yeah. to look after the kids that day. So that's that car they're going to use every day for bringing the kids to school. And maybe it might have an autonomous mode, mm-hmm. which they can use to get there safely. On the other hand, there will be shared cars. Those shared cars will be used 10 times the amount that regular cars are used. And so those will be turned over a lot more. So they, he reckons the big manufacturers won't lose out. And there are always going to be people who, who love their classic cars who are going to want to, st- to, to stick with their classic cars. And I think you'll be able to retrofit them. You'll put, put sensors on them that'll make them semi-autonomous or autonomous. And so you can have your 1960s, you know, whatever car that you want, but with, with cool tech on, on top of it. So we, we never really react to cool tech. I mean, I mean, do we, I mean, I write about technology. I shouldn't be saying this, but like we never we never love our tech, though, do we? As much as we love you know, something something manual, our moleskin notebook. or Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the 1960s, uh, you know, Mustang or whatever it is. Or even yeah. watches. I mean, Apple now sells more watches, uh, makes more money and sells more individual watches than any other watch manufacturer in the world. And that has happened in three years. And yet, and, and I have an Apple watch and, and I like the Apple watch. Um, you don't hear people going on about their Apple watch the same mm. way as they'll go on about... I don't know, whatever, a Piaget or one of those yeah, yeah. But I, but I think aviation watches. I think when it comes down to it, these are machines that are killing us in huge numbers every year. Like mm. in Ireland, there's 100. We don't care, though. We do. We will. We love care. them. <laughs> we will. Like if you think about the cost to the state mm. of all those accidents, of all those deaths every year, mm. we've, we've come to accept that people get killed in cars, in car crashes as normal. Mm. Now, imagine if there was a household appliance that killed 160 people in Ireland every year. You'd be like... This has, you know, where's the legislation? Get rid of this, this thing. Yeah, with cars, we can be accepted as normal. Mm-hmm. So it, amazingly, the Volvo XC90 um, hasn't killed anyone since it was produced, which is an amazing stat. Mm-hmm. And they want zero deaths in their cars by 2020. Is that and just because it's old people driving them? <laughs> no. 50 and 60 year olds? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Well, no, I mean, there, there's one Volvo XC90 in our state. For some reason, Volvo SUVs have gotten fairly popular and that I seem to have gotten fairly popular. But there's one Volvo XC, there's actually there are two now Volvo XC90s, both 181Ds in our state, and they're both older couples. 
they're a fabulous car to drive though. And mm. one of the reasons why they cost a they, fortune though. Yeah, they're it's very like expensive. Fifty grand plus more. more but they will grand. beat you into submission in terms of safety mechanisms in it. They mm. will scream, they'll shout, they'll move you. So I can see why nobody's been killed in them. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, just on that point about cars, I'm not hugely convinced that Ford have the right vision. I think cars, as we know them, will be gone for the simple mm. reason that I think once, you know, it comes to changing your car, you're just not going to bother because suddenly you have this car at your... Like, what people are worried about at the moment is not so much the... Con- they are worried about the control and the idea of driving themselves, but it's also the fact that they have a car outside their door that is there whenever they want. That's why I keep yeah. a car. But when that is actually... Convenience is replaced by something you can jump into, you can actually do some work in the car without mm. having to worry. Your kids can go... Uh, you know, your elderly mum can take herself to the hospital oh, t- completely yeah, yeah when all yeah. of these things happen and we realise yeah. the convenience of them we won't want to go back yeah. Yeah. I think there are a few people but they'd be like classic car owners mm-hmm. now who you know who hanker back to a time when you drove yourself but I think the majority of people and I, I don't know what the business model for car companies is going to be because mm-hmm. I think that will be gone mm-hmm. I'll be gone along with it in terms of my job but you know this yeah. is um, I do see that we're just not it's going to be too I, yeah. good the alternative well, is well I, I would be your perfect case study there because mm-hmm. I, I can see myself going along with that I do like cars and I like driving cars but on the other hand in a city scenario where you're going to work every day and you've got things to do and all the rest of it you know uh, would I just like just to have a vehicle to sit in and to be able to Mm. you know work digitally of course absolutely sign me up it beats any chrome finish Mm. on any wood dash wood panel dash or, or any or engine noise or whatever. Or any engine <laughs> so, yeah. noise or any yeah. imaginary admiring looks that I imagine that somebody's giving me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, from some other car that is, is not quite as good. Totally. Like, look at all the hours we spend in our cars every single day traveling from Total waste A to time. B. We're looking at someone's bumper. You know, I, I drove from Boxborough in Cork to Galway yesterday, two hours, two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was two accidents in the way. And there were both people who would like smashed into someone else oh. in the back. And you're, you're stuck in traffic for an hour. You can't do any work. No. And that insurance, you know, it's going to raise all, all of our premiums. All it's that basically the radio industry that benefits and actually maybe the podcast industry. I don't know, because what else do you do for two mm. hours? I mean, you, you know, not, not a you lot. You work, you watch movies, you know. Well, you don't watch movies. Well, there's, there's people in your car. Well, you could do when you have better broadband. Oh, yeah. You know, in an autonomous car. Yeah. Not right. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's a case for, you know, should airlines be looking at this as a model? Because you could go from area to B, like in the US, cross country at night, you could sleep in your car, mm. you wouldn't need to fly anymore. Mm. So there's lots of industries that are be, going to be disrupted here. And the biggest challenge here is job losses, because uh, the number one or number two job in the US is truck driving. Mm. And what's going to happen to all those truck drivers? Um, you know, taxi drivers is another huge industry. Um, and what's going to happen to taxi drivers? But interesting in the same way, when um, automated lifts came out in the 30s and 40s, all the lift drivers in, in the in the US went on strike for two weeks because they said these things are taking our jobs and people actually wouldn't get into them because they said this is not safe. There's no man in this lift. Mm. Uh, I, I don't want to press a button and go up to the fifth floor. Mm. So with every new technology, people There's get still, used to even, it. Even in 2018, do you not feel that tiny bit of trepidation when you get into a lift? I wonder, is this going to be the 0.1.1% of times? You're on your own there. No, seriously? No, no, none at all? I do, I have to say. When the lift door closes, I'm like, okay, please, God, just not this time. Uh, Yeah, yeah, you're you're like, yeah. I know that sometimes maybe, yeah, you think, what happens if, you know, especially in San Francisco, you know, what Mm. if an earthquake now, I'm going to be stuck in this lift for the next two weeks, you know. Mm, mm, Yeah. Um, 
So that's basically in on autonomous cars. But I, I was reading a few figures recently. Supposedly in Ireland, we're well fixed for autonomous cars because we have all these companies that are uh, based here. Companies like um, Magna, Analog Devices, IBM, Jaguar, Land Rover. I, th- I think they have something. They're yeah, setting they're up in something Canada. in Shannon, yeah. 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 And Uber, I think, have something in Cork as well. Um, so we've got all these companies that are based in Ireland. So in theory... Are any of them coming to your conference? Yeah, yeah so uh, Jaguar Land Rover are, are coming, so they're going to talk about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we have companies from Israel who are doing hacking, like anti-hacking software, um, uh, more of their kind of insurance uh, platforms as well. Um, and one of the biggest autonomous uh, car manufacturers in the US who, who supply autonomous cars to all of the major manufacturers. Is it a real fear that an autonomous car could be hacked? Yeah, there's a, there was a really interesting video that was out on uh, a while back for Jeep. Um, they had a car on the road and a journalist was in the car and um, hackers were back in an office and they hacked in and they started pressing his brake on the motorway mm. and, and making him drive um, by himself. So really scary situations and they tried to prove that this luck, this could happen. Mm. And so you need to be you need to be aware of this. Mm. Yeah, that okay. is scary, though, when you consider this whole vehicle to vehicle communication and vehicle to infrastructure, if you had one rogue <laughs> Who was like mm. commu- you know communicating the wrong information? It could like do serious totally, damage totally, and yeah, chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's interesting. All these new industries bring up new problems. Yeah, um, you know, and that's one of them. Mm. And do we have a view as to whether Ireland might be kind of uh, in generally the first group of countries to see autonomous cars on public roads, or, or somewhere in the middle, or or a lag a lagging country? Do, is there a view there? I think. Look, if if Jackie Healy Ray wants his pubs at night and he wants his people to be able to get back into mm-hmm. the middle of Kerry then self-driving cars would be a great well, solution I, I, to this. Well I spoke to his son I spoke to Michael Healy Ray about this two three years ago I rang him up and said um, Michael um, can I talk to you about autonomous uh, cars and he said what? I said autonomous cars and he said um, okay well um, why? And I said well you've been going on about pubs and the death of the rural village because of drink driving laws do you not think that you know uh, the introduction of autonomous vehicles could would would save pubs and save uh, rural life and he said yeah actually now that you now that you mention it uh, um it probably could so ever since then he's he's uh I think he's he's on your side. He's but once they're not electric, because then they'd go into water and terrible things. <laughs> no, that's his brother. Yeah, that's his brother. That's, that's, that's Danny. <laughs> that's Danny Healy, right? Now that and that's one of the milder um, uh, predictions of doom that uh, Danny Healy Ray. Um, I've been following his Oroctus career over the last eighteen months. Um, now there's a book. We talked about a book on the way into studio, but there's a an, an interesting book. Um, you mentioned electric cars. Um, is there any crossover between electric cars and aut- autonomous vehicles? Are they two t- totally separate um, technologies? Does do, does do, or is it just a natural thing that autonomous cars, by and large, will all be electric anyway? Yeah, at the moment, I mean, they're separate, but it, it would make sense that they would be electric for the simple reason that you can regulate the speed. And, you you know, for, for that point of view, electric cars work best, you know, when you don't exceed the speed limit and you drive at a certain, not a slow pace, but just a steady pace. And, you know, it would be perfect. And also, I mean, just to bring added benefit to autonomous cars in terms of, you know, pollution and everything, if they were electric, it just adds to the whole, mm. I suppose, advantage of autonomous cars. But definitely you could see the two um, developing in tandem, definitely. Mm. Yeah. Do you, can I ask you about electric cars, actually? Um, I started off being a huge fan of electric cars. I test drove the Leaf, twi- Nissan Leaf twice, then the uh, e-Golf, the electric Golf, uh, about 18 months ago. 
and one of the BMWs, I think there was a hybrid actually, uh, mm. it was the, the i3, I'm trying to remember. Um, and I started off being a fanboy. And now I've become really disillusioned because of the lack of progress in charging, in terms of charge points rather, in terms of infrastructure around mm. the, the country. Where, where are we at with that, do you think, uh, in terms yeah, of progress? It- that's really, I think, the biggest issue and it's such a pity. And the problem is that the infrastructure is, um, the, the network as we know it at the moment is free. Mm-hmm. It needs actual investment in it. And the problem when it's free as well is that <coughs> electric car owners tend to use it more regularly and the, the the use of it is much higher than it should be because obviously if you charge at home, it's going to cost, cost you money. money. If you charge mm-hmm. on the you know the, the local network, it costs you nothing. So the, the actual toll on it is much heavier than it should be in terms of the Would actual number of people. people go to a local charging point for free, even if it takes like 55 minutes. I remember like bringing the Leaf and the Golf to these, uh, you know, uh, charging points. It was taking an hour. You know? Yeah, the other problem is though it's unreliable the entire network is because they will actually mark um, points as being as charging points as mm-hmm. working and then you get there and you realise they're not working. The ESB say that they have to send somebody out to verify that it's actually not working and then it's marked off the grid but it could be four or five weeks for I this. Mean, now there is a, an app at the moment you can download that will tell you the last time the charging point was used so that's a fairly good indication but it just needs a huge overhaul. Having said that I mean I, I did a piece on this last November and I interviewed at least five people who do over 800 kilometres a week. Mm-hmm an electric car so mm-hmm. it is possible now, you can, can I ask, do are it are they going largely from point A to point B and then back to point A and then just charging at home uh, yeah most of them had fairly regular routes right. to do they weren't doing random yeah. routes but again I spent four weeks with a leaf and I live five kilometres from the nearest town mm-hmm. I have a very unpredictable schedule I have kids to get to school mm-hmm. and, and I actually found it great I really did and I was a total convert at the end of the four weeks mm-hmm. there's a there's you know there's a, a way of driving them there's a, a, a kind of lifestyle that goes with them and a mentality that you just have to get into but it's very easy it just no boot no real boot though in the leaf as far as I remember. Yeah, it's still, I mean, I I think the biggest issue with electric cars and families is you just need something slightly bigger mm. and affordable for families. The new Zoe is great, but it's quite small. Mm-hmm. But slowly but surely, definitely this year and next year, we're going to see a huge range of electric cars. One thing on they screen. never tell you, uh, they never tell the casual driver like me about electric cars is the power. Mm. The because instant torque. Mm, oh my God, yeah. it's unbelievable. I've, I've told this story before. I'm not sure if I've told it on this podcast, but so f- forgive me, uh, listeners, if I have. But I remember test driving the first Leaf, the first time, probably about four years ago, the first uh, iteration of the car. And I was pulled up at Church Street in Dublin and there was a guy pulled up beside me, um, late 20s, you know, a BMW 3 Series, probably about four years old at the time, has little go-fast spoilers and stuff on the back, you know. And he pulled up right beside me at the lights and there was only room for, you know, these junctions where it's two lanes, but there's actually only one lane after yeah, the lights. Yeah. And he was looking over at me in my car to size us up to see. And he's thinking, I'm going to dust these guys. There's no there's no way that they're going to get in ahead of me. As soon as the light went green, bang, I was like, I, I left him <laughs> for absolute dust. And I just looked, looked in the rearview mirror to make a point, looking at his face. I, he just didn't know what happened. It was this look of confusion on his face that this kind of sort of slightly grannyish looking car, slightly, looking slightly, car, yeah. um, could absolutely destroy his him and his German, uh, you know, Vorsprung durch BMW I Technik. Know, I know it's it's crazy. Like I, I took a test drive in the Tesla Model S, which is the P100, 100 kilowatt. Oh, kilowatt, the ludicrous mode. The ludicrous oh, mode. Oh, it's truly ludicrous. And <laughs> we went to a country road, stopped it, started it, and it was. I've driven. 
Porsches and Ferraris in the mm. past, and this thing was ridiculous. 2.6 seconds to 60 miles an hour. Just uh, like being pushed back in your seat, like head pushed back. It's unbelievable. And, and you were able to do it? You, uh, you didn't have any nausea or anything, or no kind of physical... You actually did. You went to 60 yeah, miles yeah, an hour was, in 2.6 seconds. Yeah, it was a long, straight road, and it was, it was just, the car was just unbelievable. And I, I think, like, the first generation, uh, you know, the, the small Leaf, the Leaf wasn't great. The first Leaf mm. wasn't great. So... We, we've been kind I really of liked it other than, other than the, the range, fact that the it had useless bad. range but that's the problem so now the, the range is getting a lot better like the Tesla is 170 miles 180 miles whatever that in kilometres yeah um, the almost 300 yeah. the, P, the P100 is, is getting up there as well so um, they're going to get a lot better I don't think it's going to be much of an issue in Ireland especially you know Dublin, Galway Cork, Dublin mm. um, you know with one charge and the 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 powering, the powering stations will be 30 minutes, 20 minutes mm. to, to get 80%. That's the thing that most people don't travel that far. I mean, I think the last CSO um, stats on, on travelling was the average person does 318 kilometres a week, you know, and most know. electric cars are well within that range. I know, then. I know. But we always hear those stats and, and they'd make a lot of sense. But then, look, take, take my scenario. So my car sits in my drive for, you know, like 6.9 days of the seven days, right? Um, and yet, I go to Mayo maybe once a month, right? Mm-hmm. And it's rural Mayo, Belmullet. And there's no electric car that can get me anywhere close to, 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 to Belmullet. It's 324 kilometers door to door in real driving Apart conditions. Apart from a Tesla. Can Tesla if get me there? you don't do yeah. ludicrous mode, because yeah. that will eat yeah. it. Tesla will get you there. Yeah, it will. And Reliably? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'll power up with 220 volts at home and you where do I power up in the house at, ho- at home yeah outside just it's, it's extension cord okay well okay so maybe a Tesla then if yeah, I have a spare yeah. hundred grand yeah. you know um, a Tesla but um, like the average um, mileage done by uh, Irish people yes it's it's within the range but that's not why you buy a car you're not going to think to yourself well I know that I'm only doing an average of 300 kilometers you know uh, a week or so or a month therefore this is going to you know, suit me. You you want something that you can go on holidays to Donegal in. But the thing is, if it, if you know it's only going to cost you four euros a week, mm. those three hundred kilometers, I think that will persuade you. And yes. if you're only going to go to Mayo twelve times a year, I yeah. don't think that's a reason to buy a different car. Ah, now do you, do you not think so? No. No. And so what would you do? Would you rent a car? But you could rent a car. I mean, you've I made enough saving. I know. Yeah. Do you yeah. want to rent a car? It's so easy. Like, you know it, like I mean? in, in San Francisco, you know. You're right, of course, by the way. I'm just being. There's, a, there's a car in every corner. You know, there's, there's at least three car sharing companies. Mm. In Dublin, there's a, a, at least a couple of car sharing mm. companies here right now. BMW Reach now, one of the speakers at our conference is coming as they're well. They're doing more, some of that in the UK now, aren't yeah. they? Mm. Yeah, they're all over London. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, you, know, you, you talk about Tesla, but what they have is a new idea called the Tesla Network, which is when you buy a Tesla car, uh, you can rent out your car when it's sitting in your driveway. So you rent it out to anyone else who wants to use it. It'll go and pick up mm-hmm. someone else. You're earning money while you're sitting in your office. Mm. You come back and your car is there waiting for you back at home again. And that's, uh, you know... I'd consider that. And you could yeah. make so much money because it's parked for know, so long. So long. long. Yeah. I, would, I would totally consider that because at this point, there was a time when I thought, no, that's my car. I want all my... you know, It's, it's nice and clean and I want it just so and all the rest of it and it's low mileage and you know, trade and value. Now I'm thinking it, it's completely irrelevant it's just sitting there most of the time I'm not going to make like we Catherine and I actually discussed um, the other day selling it we actually discussed yeah. selling now she yeah. has her own car it's a small car it's a um, uh, Skoda City Go which by the way is great fun it's fantastic fun it's tiny tiny car we drove down to Mayo once in that because my car was getting serviced and it was br- it was hilarious 
Really great fun to drive. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. um, <clears throat> but we, we've actually discussed selling my car because we're just not getting the use of it. Mm. But if you could rent it out, would you rent it out? I would consider it at this point just because the barriers to renting out, what are the barriers to renting out psychologically? You're thinking someone's going to, I'm going to get into it and it stinks or I'm going to get into it and something will be damaged or the engine, something will be wrong with it yeah, and, and, yeah, I didn't, and I'll yeah. be left with a bill. Yeah, really? I mean, they don't seem like huge barriers when the car is just sitting there and depreciating anyway. Yeah, yeah. And just like Airbnb, we didn't know what, like, we could use Airbnb as a service in the past. We're kind of gotten used to it now. Yeah. And one of the companies we we're talking to in Voxborough is Turo, and they're like car sharing service. Mm-hmm. And you list your car, like just like an Airbnb. You say, OK, I want 100 quid a day for it. People come and they use it. You're fully insured. So anything happens, the car gets completely replaced. And... It's it's just like an asset. It's it's a, it's a commodity that's sitting in your driver. So why would you? Is the name of the Turo, company? T-U-R-O, yeah, there's, yeah. There's a company in Wicklow as well. Is it Fleet App who do the same thing? They okay. set up last year. Yeah. And again, you just list it and you set the price. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then you meet the person and work out a deal with them directly. It's the 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 app kind of puts you in touch with people, but gotcha. you still do the one to one discussion with them. So if you want, to, you know, special requirements or something, you want to uh-huh. make sure that they don't exceed mileage or whatever, mm-hmm. you iron that out yourself. So, so I mean, I, it is starting. Mm-hmm. I guess what would be helpful for people like me was if something like that were to reach scale and there's a process and an automated system that. Be, feels that feels quite normal um, and that maybe thousands of people are doing it and you just opt into the system. Mm. I mean, what are the, those go-cars? What are they called the, yeah. around the city? That's, a lot of people seem to be using those now. Yeah. Um, and you can just hire them by the hour. I think the average person hires them for about three hours. The first mm-hmm. 50 kilometers is free. So they work out really economical. They yeah. also have vans. So if you, you know, if you move house and you need to go to Ikea or something to stock uh-huh. up and stuff. So they're working out really well these days. Yeah, yeah. Um, talk to me briefly about, I saw you tweeting uh, recently about new car figures and uh, import car figures and all that kind of stuff. It seems, this is from the Society of the Irish Motor Industry, mm. it seems that new car sales in Ireland are down, but um, imports sales are up. What, what's going on there? Yeah, imports are up. We, there was always about 40,000 imports used to come into Ireland every mm. year, from the predominantly from the UK or from the north. Um, obviously, when there was a drop in sterling, those those figures went up because they were seen as you know getting a better bargain. However, since Brexit, they have been steadily rising. Mm-hmm. Now there's about 8,000 a month coming in, which will... A month? A month. So you'd be looking at figures of about 110,000 by the end of the year. So as a result, there has been a knock-on effect in the sense on new car sales. Not that people are bringing in new cars... But the problem is it's lowering the value of used car prices in Ireland, which Mm -hmm. is good news if you're buying a second-hand car. But if you go to trade in a new Mm -hmm. car, a newish car, and to buy a new one, you're not getting the same value for it. So that's an issue. So there's about a 5% fall in new car sales at the moment. Mm -hmm. The other interesting trend, I suppose, in new car sales at the moment is the shift towards petrol and away from diesel. Yeah, what's going on there? Well, slowly but surely people are moving, but unfortunately you'd kind of like to see them moving towards electrics and hybrids as well. That's happening, but happening very slowly. It's happening towards hybrids, but not so much towards electrics. Why would I buy a petrol car? I mean, it's 10 cents more expensive at the the pump. Yeah, I suppose the problem is that 77% of the cars coming in from the UK are diesel. So diesel resale values have been hit much harder than petrol. So the reason why we bought diesel in the past was that they held their value and they were worth more. They're now going to be actually worth less. And there's a very, very um, sort of significant move against diesel cars in the UK. So they're dropping, the values are dropping quite significantly in the UK and there's no reason to think that won't continue. So as a result, that's why 77% of the cars coming in are diesel. So the concern would be when you go on to sell one. So that's why people are beginning to move. 
The other problem is the tax system in Ireland, the motor tax system was changed 10 years ago in 2008 and we used to pay tax on the size of the engine. So mm -hmm. the bigger the engine, the more tax you paid. They moved it instead to CO2. Emissions. So that overnight benefited um, diesel cars. Mm -hmm. So before that, there was a 30% market for diesel. And these were people who did high mileage, needed towing capacity, all of the good reasons for buying diesel. And 70% was petrol. Mm -hmm. Literally by 2009, that had switched. 70% of people in Ireland were buying diesel cars. Most of those people shouldn't be. So essentially what's happening is it's sort of going back to those pre-2008. So slowly but surely we're moving because we're being given better options in terms of fuel economy with petrol cars. We're being given more options with hybrids and diesel cars are going to become more expensive because they've more and more environmental um, legislation and regulations to meet in order to do that, to meet those um, requirements. Um, there's more technology being put into the cars and obviously that cost is going to be passed on to consumers. So all of the reasons why we bought diesel cars, that they were cheaper to run, whatever, they were, you know, you got the resale value, are slowly but surely going to be replaced by other options. So I think we're going to move organically back to that 30%. What's the smart option if I'm buying a car now? Is it is it a hybrid? Buy the greenest car you can afford. The greenest my car? Yeah. Okay, why? Because well, that's what we're moving towards. I mean, if, if you believe the government that in 2030 they're going to ban the sale of um, uh, petrol and diesel cars, which I think is a, is a very ambitious target. Well, the government said by 2020 we were going to have, I think, 300,000 electric cars. 10% of our ridiculous. new car sales would be electric, I never mean, mind so hybrid. I know. I think I think the manufacturers have haven't have let us down a little bit. Like Tesla, mm. especially. You know, they said the Model Three would be producing five thousand a week or ten thousand a week, mm. and it's nowhere near that right now. But Elon still Musk likes to bring it right up to the he line. Sure but does. he's not good at deadlines. He's yeah, really not yeah. for me. But he does them. get the job done eventually. But thirty-five grand a year. Sorry, thirty-five grand for the model uh, is it three? Three mm. is a pretty good price, and it's it'll well, thirty-five thousand dollars. Sorry. The range isn't isn't great, but it's yeah. enough. If it's enough to get you around, and I think it's it's better than the Leaf. But there are a lot of really good green choice, and I think you know you're right. It's mm. Get an electric car. I would go for electric car. Look at all the moving parts that are in a regular car. You've got, mm -hmm. you know, you've got an engine, you've got carburetors, you've got uh, radiator. More all stuff that to stuff break. is just yeah. Mm. It doesn't need an, an electric car. Yeah, and it's thirty five thousand dollars. Do we have a euro price for the no. Tesla three? No, no. So because normally Do we have a Model Three. <laughs> normally, third like. There's something like $35,000 for a car in the States usually translates to something like 44,000 euros. Yeah, I think what something. they're ta talking about is sort of Mercedes C-Class, BMW 3 Series, okay. that market. Okay. Yeah, so that would put it right, mm -hmm. be around that market. The other video I saw, um, I'm not sure if either of you guys ever watch uh, review videos by Marcus Brownlee. He's this American, young American, 24-year-old tech reviewer, essentially, but he sometimes does car stuff. Very good. He reviewed the... Um, uh, Model 3 and he was recommending that if you're going to get one of these you should go for he was the, you should go for the, the not the absolute entry level model but you should go for the model just kind of one up with I, it's, I think he said it was about another $7,000 or something but he, he was saying that basically the very basic Tesla is it's it's not worth getting. That was his that was his view. I have no idea. I've never even sat. I've never even. I think that's good advice for any car buying. You know that you should always right. buy the middle spec. You'll never get your money back on the high spec, and you mm. should you you're wasting money buying the bottom spec. It's always the middle one you should opt really? for. Really? Mm. Yeah. And should if you weren't worried about your money, you just wanted a good car. Should you take the difference between say Volkswagen and Audi? Should you if 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 the absolute top of the range Volkswagen is the same price as the entry level Audi, which should you buy? Never buy the entry level. Okay. Try and, yeah. Try and for the higher yeah. level. Even it's forget about your badge snobbery. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Audi 
I used to love Audi. Now I just think they're they're the new BMW, and BMW have gone back to being kind of actually okay. BMW were the sort of the the print cartridge salesman's you know mm. brand for a while, <laughs> um, and then they became the sort of the fifty six year old director at the weekend, you know, playing going to play golf with the golf clubs in the in the in the back, and then Audi became this sort of like any time I see. Youngful is speeding off. It's always in an Audi now. It's always an Audi A4 now, or even worse, an Audi A5. I always think Audis are an acquired taste. Oh my God, no. <laughs> I mean, and sorry, like you're probably right. I'm probably wrong. But um, they, they, I remember in the '90s, Audi really, to me, defined kind of understated mm. class and sophistication. And then sometime around the mid '90s, they really kind of they really they got their act together in fairness and they, they started becoming a, a really mainstream car brand but that means like ev- all the the boy racers started driving them as far mm-hmm. as I can see it, they went from Subaru Impreza to Audi Overnight, A4 yeah. in a heartbeat <laughs> and um, so uh, I think Volvo are the car company that are making the best and the biggest strides I, in premium I agree and with they're you. very secretly yeah. you don't notice them and then suddenly you look at a yeah. brand new one and go wow when did I'm they looking at these so cool? XC90s and XC60s yeah and like Catherine and I were both looking good god that's a really nice looking car that's mm. a really nice looking car and it doesn't look like you're a boring old fart you know um, while at the same time it doesn't look like you're trying to really show off like it doesn't have a huge BMW badge on mm. like I, I just couldn't drive a BMW SUV I'm sorry I just couldn't it, yeah, just and, just for what it would and say and Volvo's safe and you're unlikely to get killed in it <laughs> which is a plus yeah yeah is it that much safer though I wonder I mean well the stats prove it yeah. do they yeah but is it just the type of people who drive Volvos uh, I, I don't know. know I don't know I know I know I'm full of uh, <laughs> stereotypes um just before we uh, go, I wanted to just quickly refer to uh, a funny piece that you wrote, Geraldine, recently on the seven worst passengers. And I'm going to read out what you wrote. Oh, you wrote a piece on <laughs> wheelsforwomen.ie about the seven worst passengers. Number one. Now, sorry, this I don't think you meant to say that this is the, the no, worst. No, no, they weren't in any particular number order. Number one to seven. Number one, the backseat drivers. Why are they bad? Backseat drivers, they're experts when it comes to driving, you say, and they dispense unwanted but well-intentioned advice at every twist and turn in the road. That's usually kids, though, isn't it? Oh, no, Backseat no. driver. No. Do you drive adults? I mean, backseat in the sense of, like, you know, that they're advising you the whole time. They don't Oh, they could be right there. Oh, they could be right you, yeah. beside you, yeah. Um, husbands are terrible for that. Mm. I'm, I'm not making any comments. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not great for that, I have to say, <laughs> Catherine. <laughs> Sometimes we'll sit there and there is this kind of husband sort of uh, tense, tensing up pose where you start gripping the sides of it. And I even throw you out of my car. I'm sorry. <laughs> and even worse, when when, you know, if just there's a momentary lapse in terms of breaking or whatever, there's a big, a big sort of withdrawal or but. You ever, you ever, you ever get that? No, no. OK. See, in a Volvo, they'd break for you. You they'd wouldn't have to worry. Go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, number two is the boy girl racer. You identify, you say that um, an amber light at the traffic lights is a signal to accelerate while green lights are an opportunity to demonstrate a car zero to 100 speed. Well, that's your territory, Philip, isn't it? With your Tesla. Well, yeah. Not in your team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <No. laughs> but it's funny, uh, in the States, uh, Ford Mustangs, uh, yeah. you know, when you when you buy the car, you, you get a special key for your kids, mm-hmm. which will limit the car to 50 miles an hour or, or a speed that you set, which is fantastic. 
So that'll stop the boy racers and the girl racers. Oh, I see. So you can kind of hack, you can hack it yourself to, yeah. oh, to limit okay. the speed. Yeah. Um, twice, by the way, in the last few years, I've gone to the States, rented a car, both times asked for an American car. The last time was last year. Um, I have this bucket list, this thing of 50 states before I'm 50, you know. Um, and so I was at a tech conference in Vegas, took three days off work, rented a car to drive to Arizona, a place called Sedona, beautiful place, but had paid for a convertible, and a Mustang convertible. And I get to the place, the car rental place, and your man comes out and he says, I've good news for you. He said, what? Well, we've got you a BMW. I said, no, no, you're missing the whole point. You're missing the whole point. It's supposed to be an American car. But anyway, um, number three, the Screamer. I don't, you, the Screamer. This is the, the, the third in uh, Geraldine's series of the seven worst passengers. You can instantly recognize these passengers by the way they grip the door handle. Well, that's, this is you. That's kind of me. <laughs> they spend the half the car journey screaming in terror, anticipating what other drivers are likely to do, and the other half with their eyes tightly shut. Um, take heart in the fact that even the safest of drivers cannot cure hysterical passenger syndrome. That's actually kind of my mother. My, okay. mother. <laughs> my mother is actually a backseat driver and she has that uh, screamer. Number four, the DJ. My car, my rules is lost on the DJ. The attention span of a five-year-old. They change the music or adjust the volume every 30 seconds. Um, be prepared also for their own welcome high-pitched notes as the journey quickly becomes an in-car karaoke session. That is kind of me as well. I do oh quite no. like that. <laughs> we could never do a, a road <laughs> trip. And number five, the poor navigator. Despite the ease and popularity of Google Maps and sat-nav apps, there are still passengers who provide the driver with poor directions. Instructions like, oh, sorry, I, I think that maybe you should have taken a left there or it's over there somewhere. I don't know exactly where, but we'll find if we drive around for a while are not really helping. There's two more. Number six, the social media addict never misses opportunity. I hold my hand up again. <laughs> never misses an opportunity to document every minor event and update their friends and followers on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. Okay, that I wouldn't be documenting every minor event, but I would be taking photos of, you know, kind of landscapes and stuff like that. The first set of traffic lights, they check in, quote unquote, followed by a post on Instagram, and then they spend the rest of the journey in investigating how many people uh, have liked their post in between periscoping a trip through a roundabout. Now, you're showing your vintage there. Periscope is <laughs> yeah, not no. in with the kids anymore. I did write this last year. <laughs> um, these passengers, you just buzz, they use the phrase hashtag a normal conversation. And the last one, number seven, is the complainer. Some passengers are just never happy as the car is too hot and then gets too cold. The seats are uncomfortable, or too stiff, or maybe they're just too soft and feel stiff. And the radio has a funny tone, so turn it off. But it can get too quiet and the road noise is annoying, so leave it on. The complainer has a negative opinion on just about everything. They criticize your route, they tell you to change lanes, they comment on how fast or slow you're going, and generally don't think much of your choice of car. I can hold my hand up to being three or four of those. Um, do you have any complainers in your conference before we before we go? Any complainers no, in your no, conference? Uh, no, uh, no complainers. But I'd like to say thanks to two of our sponsors, if you don't mind. So to Boxpro, powered by Telus International, mm -hmm. and to um, Mayo County Council. We're going off to Mayo for to the, the VIP part of the of the weekend ah. for all of our speakers. Where are you staying there? We're staying in Pure Magic Lodge. Okay, um, very in, nice. In Ackle. Of course, you're into windsurfing, aren't you? Or is it kite surfing? Kite surfing. Kite surfing yeah. So we're taking all of our speakers from the conference down there. Mm -hmm. So the conference happens on May 10th in Ivy House in Dublin. Mm -hmm. We have a great bunch of self-driving car experts and founders, and you guys are more than welcome to join. And then we go off to Ackle for the weekend. How many are you expecting at both? Um, probably about 100. So it's a pretty small uh, affair oh, in Dublin. That's good, then, actually, because yeah. conferences 
if you can keep a conference to about 100, you get a much better sense of interaction, networking, intimacy. You get to talk to people who are there. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll have about 25 at the at the, the mini kind of conference, uh-huh. like a TED, TED type experience where we'll have talks and uh, some speakers and some kite surfing and some you all bond you all sit in the beach with a fire and, and sing songs drive self-driving and, cars and yeah. whatnot yeah yeah yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah cool well listen um, thank you both so much for coming in today to Philip McNamara who is the Vice President of Business Development at VoxPro USA and a co-founder of Mobility X, which is on next month May 10th and to Geraldine Herbert motoring correspondent and contributing editor to the Sunday Independent and the editor of Wheels for Women dot IE from me Adrian Weckler oh before I go just to say as I always do. If you want to like or leave a comment on this podcast, on any of the podcast engines that you normally use, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever it is, please do as it helps uh, get awareness of the podcast out. But from me, Adrian Weckler, uh, I'll talk to you later. Bye.